it's time to swing into the golf world of today with Springdale Golf Live. Sponsored by TaylorMade and the New Jersey Golf Foundation. Now, here's your host, the director of fun, Keith Stewart. Welcome to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. Thank you for tuning in to ESPN 920. Now you all know me as the director of fun, and I cannot wait to talk to today's guest. He's an industry innovator with a career centered around player development. You know, this gentleman does it all as he can help us get more golfers. After a year where millions more showed up on the course, there's no doubt we're both surrounded by more friends. That's right, our rock star guest has been on stage for decades, engaging everyone, telling all who will listen how great golf is. Well, these days he does it as the Vice President of Player Development and Engagement for the National Golf Foundation. And after a season like 2020, nobody would be better at helping us put it all into perspective than him. Ted Eleutherio, welcome to Springdale Golf Live. What's cooking this afternoon? Wow, Keith. Uh, hey, thanks so much for having me. And I got to say, I'm really impressed that you pronounced my name like perfectly. I've been married 35 years and my father-in-law still can't say it. So uh, kudos to you. Uh, great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And, you know, let's just get right into this. It, 2020 has been a crazy year. And one of the things that I found most interesting throughout the entire year is as a subscriber to all of the newsletters and information that comes from the National Golf Foundation, are some of these statistics that you guys keep passing along to all of us golf leaders, right? So, I mean, you see all this stuff, you're there at the hub of communication for all of us allied associations. What to you has been the most surprising statistic to come out of golf in 2020? Well, wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think the surprising statistic is like all of us, right? Back in March and April when, when the COVID was starting to hit and, and nobody knew what was going on. Um, just those two months alone, our industry lost 20 million rounds of golf. Um, and we thought for sure, like, hey, the country's going to be shut down. And it's not going to get better. But the interesting part about that or surprising statistic is that since then, um, since May, that the rounds of golf has actually increased. In May, we had a 6% increase. And as of September, we had 26% increase in that month alone, which means from, from June to September, we had probably more than 39 million rounds of golf over what we did the same period last year uh, in 2019. So if, if we're looking at that and we continue on this process, and October looks like it's going to be another stellar month, uh, we're about 9% ahead of the pace of where we were in 2019 when 441 million rounds were played. And, you know, more rounds of golf means not just that the facilities are enjoying more business and, and revenue, but, you know, equipment sales also have jumped up. In, in July alone, um, you know, about $389 million of equipment sales, and that's the highest ever that we tracked in one single month. Um, and then uh, this, this past quarter, um, equipment sales have topped $1 billion. So surprising? Um, I would say, yeah, at the beginning of the year, things look very dismal, and we're all trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do next for a living? And all of a sudden, like, we have this massive surge going on. You know, one of the coolest things I thought, uh, you know, as I was going through your website and, and following along all that you guys do, I, I think one of the most important messages I got out of it was that for the continental United States, all 48 states, each state has had an increase in rounds this year 
yeah. in the months of June, July, August, and September. And of course, we haven't counted up October yet, but I'm sure it's going to be the same. Imagine how comprehensive that is. You know, every single state here on the continent has had an increase in rounds. So, I mean, golf is good, right? Golf is good, uh, for sure. I mean, the big question is, what next? You know, I mean, I think it's going to be a time, obviously, it's going to stabilize. And what's it going to look like moving forward? And, um, you know, back in, like, the early 2000s, there was also another thing that impacted the golf industry. It wasn't a virus. It was a gentleman named Tiger Woods. And um, when he came on the scene, where golf population in the U.S. is around 24 million golfers or so, which is still kind of the case, um, it jumped up to like 33 million golfers in the U.S. at that time. And, and that was like an unprecedented like, experience. We've never had that many golfers in the U.S. ever. But the weird thing about that, Keith, was that while there were more people playing golf, there was less of uh, golf rounds actually being played, meaning that this this guy comes out, he's got a cool persona, you know, he's represented by a cool brand and he's making golf fun and exciting and people are actually yelling now and, and, you know, all this thing. I mean, he's known in third world countries where golf doesn't even exist. And yet we're having less rounds of golf. And the reason was because everybody saw this persona and thought, hey, you know what? That looks like a fun and exciting game. I think I'm going to go try it. So they show up at the golf course, non-golfer, not knowing really what to do, and goes out and tries to play around the golf. And let's say it's, it's probably less than enough, that fun experience that they see on TV. So my concern is, are we heading into something similar to that, that because of, of golf getting on the scene and open quicker than a lot of other recreational activities, that people for the first time are saying, like, hey, I'm tired of being shut in. I just want to go outdoors. Hey, golf is open. I'm going to go out there and give it a shot only for the non-golfer to have an experience that, well, let's just say is less than great. It'd be interesting to see what's going to come of this. Are we going to be able to hold on to these people or is it just an anomaly that it's business back to usual after this? You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in an interview and somebody asked me the question. And it was very similar to, you know, the mindset that you're talking about there. They said, how is this boom different than the tiger boom? And my answer to that was, with the tiger boom, we had no idea what we we're doing. We didn't have the resources we have now, right? That was 25 years ago. We, we All of a sudden, we were hit with 5 million more golfers, and we were like, whoa, what do we do? We, we don't have the resources for this. But now, I think we're better prepared. And, and you know... One of the ways I know we're better prepared is that we have people like the National Golf Foundation and you have programs that you guys are ready to run out like Welcome to Golf, right? We are ready for 10 million more people, not just 1 million more. And I know it. And I know it in my heart because I love being a PGA professional and I love being an ambassador of the game that I know you have been for decades. So yeah. you got to tell people today what the NGF is doing because I know you guys are prepared for this boom. Yeah, thanks. So one thing is that, you know, COVID provided an unexpected interruption in our daily routines at the NGF, where for the most part, we were membership focused, meaning that, you know, we're cranking out reports and supporting our members' needs and what have you. And, you know, while we still looked outside our doors and windows to see what's going on, that was our primary role. But what COVID did was, was like, all of a sudden, those, those member projects and things that we had lined up for this year dried up, you know, like everybody else. And, and it was uncertainty is like, hey, what's the future and direction of NGF going to look like over this year and even beyond? So to our credit of our leader, Dr. Joe Bettitz, you know, he said, hey, we need to jump on board and really like, tell people how COVID is impacting our industry. So, 
he managed to find a way to keep us all employed by having all of us participate in reaching out to the golf industry as a whole by literally calling people up and calling facilities and finding out their statuses and what they're doing and are they open, what's it look like, yada, yada, yada. And even to the, to the extent that if we call the facility, nobody answered, we didn't just assume like, okay, the facility's closed, so let's check them off as closed for business because of COVID. No, we would actually call and find a neighboring business within that facility's reach and call them up and say, like, hey, do you know XYZ Golf Course? Do you know if they're open or not? You know, so we went to great lengths on that. What we found was that us, even as a small organization, uh, were able to do amazing things and focus on expediency and, and being quicker at what we did versus taking time to build out a project for a member that might take anywhere from like a few weeks to even months at, at certain points um, and get stuff done like daily. So as a result of that and being able to prove that we're, we're capable of doing that, we put out the COVID report, which really helped the golf industry. But it got us thinking like, hey, in the future, why can't we do this for everything? So you're going to see kind of like a new NGF in the sense that we're going to be much more um, speedier uh, on top of things, more relevant. Uh, we're going to be much more engaging with our consumers, but also with the golf industry as a whole. And as such, by learning like the behaviors and the trends and what's going on, we're going to be able to provide better products and services on our end, but hopefully be able to help facilities and golf business owners and even our consumers be better at what they do every day and hopefully get them playing more golf. Well, you know what? That's going to be really important to the industry. And you know what else is important, folks? If you're just joining us, we have Ted Eleftherio on the phone. He's the VP from the National Golf Foundation. He, he's got this powerful perspective on the golf boom. Now, it's not just you guys that are out there, though, trying to lead the way. We have the USGA, the LPGA, the PGA of America, the PGA Tour, right? How does the NGF or how can you guys kind of bring all of us, because you guys are kind of the conduit, to communication, right? How can you how can you guys kind of bring us together and you know kind of get us more working together and all of us be better prepared for you know what's next in 2021? Yeah, you know that's that's another great question. And to answer that, I'm going to go back just a little bit. When I when I worked at the PGA and I was there for almost six years and and just learned a lot, met a lot of good people. One of my main roles was to go out to the U.S. and Canada and give workshop presentations on how to grow golf, and particularly businesses and facilities. And originally we opened up our doors to just PGA members, and those were the only ones who could attend these workshops. And what I often found was, as impactful as the workshops were to the attendees, I would get emails and phone calls afterwards that said, hey, Ted, like the stuff you gave us was like really, really good. We were super excited. We went back to our facilities and told our GMs and owners and operators what we're going to do, only to be met with resistance because they didn't get it. They didn't understand it, yada, yada, and all that. So we, we ended up not doing any of it, right? So from that point, we thought, well, hey, we need to open the doors to much larger audience, meaning that we need to bring the decision makers to these workshops as well. And regardless of whether they were PGA members or not, we started inviting the general managers, owners, operators, even vendors to these events. And that started creating a movement of like now, like people were starting to engage and get more things done at the facility level. So I say that to go to NGF. The one thing that's, that's cool at NGF is that we're not tied to one specific organization. So even though I'm a PGA member and I love being a PGA member, we're not just like focusing on PGA. We're also focusing on LPGA and we're also focusing on the USGA and the tours and, and what have you. 
And as a result, I think our information transcends any one individual tour, I mean, um, 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 association. But what's also cool too, Keith, and a lot of people don't do, and I think that's where we have to be better communicators as an allied association, is that I do see a lot of communication going on amongst the allied associations that I think the public isn't, isn't really aware of. Um, nobody is trying to figure this out on themselves. Um, you know, I, I see a lot of emails and phone calls I'm getting for others. I mean, we, we get invited to go speak at their events all the time. And, and right now we're kind of not doing anything on our end, but we invite them to come to our events and speak as well. And there is a movement going on now, and I don't know if it's like made publicly yet up until this point, but um, the big allied associations are looking at gathering together and starting to look at some venues on DNI for one part, and how can we grow the business amongst everybody and make it accessible to everybody. And uh, I think you'll see some things coming out here in the next few months that's going to be really surprising and, and really good for the golf industry as a whole. Well, it's funny. When you use this mysterious word like movement, right? Here's my take on it. And, and I'm curious what you think. So the PGA of America and Seth Waz out there says, we need a better connection with our member experience. All those 29,000 men and women, right? The USGA is is hiring player directors. And they said, we want to have a better championship experience with our players and our tour players, right? Same thing with the LPGA. The PGA Tour is out there trying to make sure that their players are as happy as possible. And not only that, but their communities that host their events are super happy and that their experience. So is the movement this common theme? And the NGF, you, you guys kind of exude this when you when you give out your information. It's like, how much are we concentrating on the experience of golf as part of this boom and how we're going to handle it versus what we did before, which was just like, oh, you know, come play golf and it's a fun thing to do and we'll teach you how to get better. But, you know, we didn't really concentrate on the actual experience like, you know, kind of Walt Disney does. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's such a, such a great observation and statement because that's what keeps me up at night. That's the question that haunts me that I lose sleep on is like, how can we create better experiences? And I say that because since COVID, I've actually had some virtual workshops that I conducted amongst individuals, but also like, you know, PGA sections and what have you. And, um, you know, one question I get is like, so when do you think we'll return back to normal? And, and that like just surprises me because I'm like, normal, like, like normal, you guys have already forgotten before 2020 is like normal was like, you know, golf courses closing, you know, more than ever in last year than, than in the history of the United States. Uh, it was the 14th consecutive year that more golf courses have closed in the U.S. and opened. Like, that's the kind of normal you want? Or, or normal, like, when all our marketing efforts were basically um, typing out something on a piece of paper and taping it into our front doors, and that marketing showed, like, hey, you know, buy around the golf after 5 p.m. and get BOGO hot dogs and BOGO beers in an attempt to try to increase our business? Like, that normal? Or normal when our customer service at the, at the you know, some golf shops was, the extent was, the guy behind the counter saying next, you know, that was it. Um, no, you know, you're right. Uh, we need to focus on what the experiences of our consumers are looking for, which ties into everything that our golf industry is really about is creating that experience. You know, I used to say in our workshops, like nobody wants to buy an expensive driver. What they're looking for is to get more yards off the tee and hit more fairways and beat their friends for the first time on a long drive on the weekend. So it's the experience they want that's why they're buying the driver and nobody really wants golf lessons right they want to play better golf have a better experience on the golf course with their friends and family and whoever shoot lower scores more good shots less bad shots it just happens to be 
that they think it's through lessons that we do this. So nobody's really buying lessons. And nobody's really buying green fees, right? When I talk to general managers and say, how's business? They'll tell me how many rounds you know they've increased. Nobody really is buying green fees and rounds. What they're doing is they're buying the experience and the hope of what that golf course will provide them once they get there, whether it's on the golf course or food and beverage or whatever experience it is. So they're not buying rounds. So to your point, we as an industry, everybody needs to focus on what is that consumer experience and how do we you know, deliver that experience and then some. And that's what's going to get golfers coming back. Well, you know what? There's two PGA professionals on ESPN radio right now talking yeah. about the game, yeah. right? So I guess my definition of normal is not necessarily uh, what everyone else is. And, and that's why we're here doing this today is to spread a new message in golf and to make sure to continue to have this boom happening. And, you know, the boom doesn't happen without sponsorship as well and support. So I got to grab a quick break right here. But hold on, Ted, because I know we got more to get into and more fun to have. Folks, it's 3.18 p.m. here in New York. Thanks for listening to ESPN 920. Be back in a moment with more from PGA professional Ted Eleftherio. The New Jersey Golf Foundation, the charitable arm of the New Jersey PGA section, is committed to positively impacting lives and communities through the game of golf. We are excited to announce that PGA Hope, helping our patriots everywhere, a rehabilitative golf program for military veterans with disabilities, will take place on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. throughout the fall season at Fiddler's Elbow Country Club. To support the NJGF or learn more about the PGA Hope program for military veterans living with physical and cognitive challenges, visit NewJerseyGolfFoundation.org or call 732-465-1212. Springdale Golf Club is proudly celebrating 125 years of rich history in the heart of Princeton, New Jersey. With our walkable and superbly conditioned William Flynn designed course, Springdale beautifully makes its mark as the best golf and social experience in our region. Combined with Troon Preve, the private club operating division of Troon Golf Management, Springdale is further elevating our commitment to our members. Just last year, our members seasoned their game, teeing off on Troon managed courses in Texas, Arizona, and even as far as Hawaii and the UK. The benefits of being part of the Springdale family extends far beyond the fairways. For more information about our club and all the incredible moments happening at Springdale Golf Club and through Troon Purvey, please take a visit of our website at www.springdalegc.org forward slash Troon Purvey. Let's get back on course as Springdale Golf Live continues. Once again, Keith Stewart. Welcome back to Springdale Golf Live. I'm your host, Keith Stewart. You know me as the director of fun. You're listening to ESPN 920. Now, before we start the back nine, how about this amazing weather for November? Make sure you enjoy it this weekend by getting out and playing some golf. Like this song, you gotta enjoy it. Have you seen a song about a pretty movie with a style in ease? And I feel from across the room. Yes, it's love in the third degree. Ooh, now, the front nine of today's pro show, our guest gave us the goods on growing golf. But before we start the back nine, Ted, are you enjoying this afternoon's uh, music vibe? Oh, man, am I? Uh, if you don't mind, a quick, uh, quick uh, background of mine is when I taught in Los Angeles, uh, ironically, uh, Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth used to be students of mine at one point. And, um, you know, I would have to teach Eddie on Fridays and David on Wednesdays because at that time we were doing the Sammy Hagar uh, issues and stuff going on there. So I think if they were both taught on the same day, it could be probably less than a happy experience there. But uh, it was it was such a great time. Well, I, you know what? 
that's that's such a cool story. All right, let's expound upon that for a second, right? <laughs> what attracted? Because those guys seem so far off golf's radar, right? Guys like Alice Cooper and some of these other folks over the years that have been, you know, spokespersons for golf that kind of seem like they're out of left field or right field or the stands even for that or the bleachers, right? What what drew those guys to golf? Yeah, you know, good question, and I think part of it is like. It's just their personality in one respect, right? They're, they're the masters. They're the best at what they do in the music industry or whatever and performance and all that. And I think golf just provides another one of those challenges that they look forward to mastering and, and being better and enjoying. Um, and it also, I think it gave them kind of a, an intellectual and a performance break from their daily routines of, you know, rock stars at night and sleep all day kind of thing. Uh, where they got to go outdoors and, and spend some time and have fun with family and friends and, and others, you know. So um, Eddie, uh, you know, and as we all know, just passed away and the world lost what, what I felt one of the best musicians ever, um, you know, really, truly embraced golf. I mean, he would invite me to his club to play with him sometimes. And um, he was just always like, how can I get better? Um, it's just such a good guy. And um, a lot of people of what they see on stage with a lot of these performers and rock stars and celebrities in their real lives is, is a little bit different. He was actually a little bit more on the shy and reserved side and um, just just a really, really good person. Um, miss him dearly. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just that additional challenge and an escape from their daily routines. Well, you know what, folks? We have our own celebrity here today on Springdale Golf Live, and that's Ted Eleftherio. Ted works for the National Golf Foundation and helps grow in the game. And, you know, we just talked about two massive entertainers in Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Roth, right? And entertainment golf is just a huge subject matter amongst all of the allied associations on how we're going to engage it more. Um, there's things like technology, right? There's so many opportunities out there in our industry, right? What does the NGF have to say, uh, you know, as a leadership voice on how we should embrace some of these things? Yeah, great, great question again. Um, I think the, the fear is, or the thing that we have to be cautious of is that technology is going to fix everything for us. And that technology is going to give us the answers to how to make things better in the golf industry. Now, having said that, and, and sounding like I, you know, was dismal about technology, I, on the other hand, I think technology should be used as a supporting role to everything that we do in the golf industry. And that goes back that we really need to focus on what our consumers need and what experiences they're looking for, discover what those are, and again, deliver on those. Um, one thing is, I, as everybody knows who's around me, I am fanatical when it comes to Starbucks, right? I'm, I'm having coffee every time. I mean, here it is in the afternoon. I'm even sucking down coffee right now. Um, it would be cheaper on my family if I did illegal activities and spent lots of money there versus what I'm spending on coffee. But having said that, Starbucks had a motto, and I don't know if it's still true, but, but they would say that, hey, we're not in the coffee business serving people. We're in the people business serving coffee. And I think that's a great reminder of what we need to be focused on in the golf industry is that first we need to serve people and, and find out what it is that they're looking for. And then everything else that supports that needs to be in place. Um, so then the technology and, and you know, whatever those are um, can be used to help fund that. But the first thing is the, is the importance of the interaction and the personal contact. Um, you know, again, during my workshops, I would say that, you know, pros shouldn't be just like sitting behind the counter waiting for people to come through the door if there's nothing going on. They should be at the door greeting people and bringing them in and, and getting beyond the experience of, again, just next. Um, I was at a large shopping um, store just the other day, 
and I went through the automated checkout line, and I found it ironic is that the automated checkout line after I did my my uh, payment that it said, thank you for shopping at so-and-so store. We hope to see you again soon. And the irony was that the line next to me that had a human cashier interacting with a student, I mean, with a, um, a customer, actually said just, next. And, and I think that's indicative of how it's not just the golf industry, but how we've gotten to the point of, of automation that, as Seth Godin says, we've created factory workers who just do the same thing day in, day out, and uh, lose the opportunity of really interacting with people and creating something amazing. And as a result of that, they'll look to technology and other opportunities to try to fill that gap. It, it should not be the case. It should be the other way around. Well, I love that Starbucks story there. You know, I'm always talking about, you know, I tell people who are willing to listen that my why statement is I want to change the message of golf, that it's not what you think it is. It's new, it's modern, it's not normal anymore, right? And, you know, one of the things I came across is that I, I love that when Disney says, we're not in the entertainment business, we're in the loyalty business. And when you hear that, it totally, you know, transforms your image of what it is they're trying to do for families and opportunities, right? And folks, speaking of an opportunity, we're with a great golf grower here today. His name is Ted Eleftherio. He's a PGA professional, works for the National Golf Foundation. He's been growing the game for decades. And speaking of loyalty, I have a lot of listener loyalty on these Friday afternoons. And one of the reasons for that is that we always have fun and get to know our guests on more of a personal level. So we like to, we like to do a rapid fire q Q&A. So you up for this, Ted? Um, go for it. If I lose you, uh, you know, it's clearly a technology issue, but go for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet. Uh, it won't be too difficult, but here we go. Uh, okay. Favorite thing to do besides golf? <laughs> besides drinking coffee? Uh, I can't think of anything else. Drinking coffee. All right. One of the best motivational speakers you ever experienced? Oh, wow. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk is just one of my favorites, if you can get past some of his language. You know, it's interesting. Um, I did the Youth and Family Golf Summit on Wednesday. I was the MC. His name came up. And then I was on Sirius XM last night, and his name came up again. So I'm three for three hey. on Wednesday through Friday. So I, I guess Gary's making a good impression on folks. All right. <laughs> Would you rather win an Oscar or a Grammy? Oh, Oscar. Sport you like to watch most other than golf? Yeah, football. Name something on your bucket list. Whew. You know, I, I'd love to play golf in Europe. That's something I've never done yet. Do you have any fears? <laughs> Let's see, where do I start? Um, you know, no. Actually, I'm, I'm, um, I think I'm in pretty good shape there. Now, you jumped on that Oscar before. What character would you like to be in a movie? Uh, i got to be one of the action hero people who, uh, you know, come in, go through struggles, come out better at the end, and help everybody. All right, we'll make you Maverick from Top Gun then. How's that sound? <laughs> okay, sounds good. All right. Name someone who you would like to have dinner with who's not part of your family. Hmm. We don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Whoa. All right. Yeah. Love it. Love it. I'll be back. All right. Uh, would you rather have Phil or DJ's career in golf? <laughs> Whew. Um, yeah, you know, Phil. I, I, I'm going with Phil. Yeah, I think he, he doesn't get all the credit he should at times. I mean, he's got 92 million credits, to, you know, just, just so you know. But, but you know, it's an interesting discussion, and, and I brought it up this week in, in other platforms because, you know, if you look at Phil 13 years in where DJ's at, he only had 
two, he, he had one major, he was about to get his second and he, you know, had about the same amount of wins, you know, DJ's at 24 wins and two majors. It's just a very interesting comparison about, we wonder what the future will bring for DJ. It's kind of cool. That is interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. You, you just never know these things. Springdale golf live. All right. One more for you. That's awesome. Describe, right. describe the 2020 golf year in one word. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say chaotic. All right. Well, you know what, though? With all that we've discussed today, this interview has been anything but chaotic. And I know it's important information, and I want people to keep in touch with you. So how can they keep in touch with the National Golf Foundation or with you, Ted? Yeah, hey, thanks. Um, yeah, they can always reach me on my direct line at 561-354-1623. And um, the email is a little bit tougher, but it's uh, my first initial T followed by my last name, Eleftherio, and that's T-E-L-E-F-T-H-E-R-I-O-U at ngf.org. And, um, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, we're doing some great player development things uh, with, like, an initiative called Welcome to Golf. And a lot of facilities don't know they could take advantage of our membership uh, for a little as, like, $250. And there's my cheap plug at the end of this. Um, I think people think it's a lot more expensive than we are, but um, it would open up a, a wealth of information to them and services that they could use to grow. Well, this has been a valuable interview. I can't thank you enough for taking the time, Ted Eleftherio. I really appreciate it, and um, all the best, man. Hey, thanks, Keith. Keep doing what you're doing. Love the show, and uh, have your best day, too. All right. Take care. That's it, folks. Oh, there's the bed music. means it's time for the sponsors. TaylorMade Golf, New Jersey Golf Foundation, and Summit Golf Brands, F.H. Wadsworth. Folks, Wade Weezer on the board. Tremendous as usual, my friend. Springdale Board of Governors, appreciate all you do and Troon Golf Management for the club at Springdale. Most importantly, you know I love my listeners. You know I'm headed to Springdale, but where are you headed? We'll let the tower be your guide. And from Springdale to Sea Island, and of course everywhere online, may you all have a Springdale deck. Thanks for joining us for today's show. Return to the tee next Friday at 3 with Keith Stewart and Springdale Golf Live.